0: I'll be you Welcome, you're listening to Living Faith Podcast. I'm going to share some things from the Word of the Lord. If you've been here the last month, you're probably not going to be surprised, but we're going to refer to the Old Testament book of Jonah. It's about the prophet Jonah, and uh, we're going to look to Jonah again today. More than fish bait is what we've been saying. There are some things to learn and understand and know about Jonah more than the common things. This is our fifth session. Got one more next week, and then we'll prep for Easter and kick off a new series on Easter Sunday called Singularity. How many, uh, think, think in your mind with me. Think of a person or people in your life, whether past or present, that you consider to be good people, whatever your definition is of good. Think of a good person, good people. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever observed a good person do a bad thing? All right, now now think of some people, current or past in your life, that you would define by your, whatever your definition as a, a bad person. Have you ever witnessed a bad person do a good thing? Now, now think about the responses. When, when a good person did a bad thing, how did you feel about that? What was going on in your mind, in your, in your demeanor? I can't speak for you today, and I don't have time to get everybody's input. We do that in faith groups. Well, When a good person does a bad thing, I find myself surprised and disappointed because I have expectancies. I've come to know this person by their actions and attitudes that in my definition, in my relationship with them, I expect good things from them, and they let me down, and I'm surprised when there's a bad action or attitude or circumstance flip side is when a person that I would think normally is I don't have much expectations they're a a bad person if you will or somebody I don't see many good things from and and they do a good thing then there's also surprise but I think hey maybe this is the start of something good maybe this is a change for the better maybe this is a new take I hope this wasn't a fluke but it's a take towards something good. It's funny how we see people in just two categories often, good people and bad people. And in those two groups, we have expectancies, and if those expectancies aren't met, we're surprised. Of course, as we get a little more experienced in life, and we mature, and we go along and meet more folks and have more interactions, we realize that rarely are people all good or all bad typically there's a blend of the same now spouses you may have convinced your spouse that you're all good but you haven't been married very long in time the truth will be revealed and there are a few bad things there of course lengthy marriage relationships realize if you're going to stay married you don't focus on the bad things you focus on the good things most people are a mix of good and bad you know when we're following jesus christ we find similar expectations when people show a pattern of following jesus they seem to be going his direction we expect christ-like attitudes and actions and and we get let down if we experience anything else from such a person But when people seem to be ignoring Jesus and ignoring his word and his righteous ways, then our expectations are for different attitudes and actions, and anything else surprises us. In the book of Jonah, as I already mentioned, it's not so much about Jonah's prophecies, though there is one. It's about Jonah the prophet, the person. It's a biography, if you will. Now, in this book, we see this difference between two kinds of people very, very clear. The book has two sections. Chapters 1 and 2 are the first part. 3 and 4 are the second part. In the first part, God says to Jonah, I want you to do something. Jonah then has some interaction with people who don't know or follow God. And then Jonah then talks to God in the end. It happens in both places. And in the instances, there are people that he interacts with folks who don't know God. In the first two chapters, it's the sailors of Joppa. In the last two chapters, it's the people of Nineveh. Now, in each case, when these times of interaction happen, here's what's odd. Jonah is God's man for the hour. God has spoken to him. He's on a mission from God. Yet, Jonah acts faithlessly. But the people around him who seemingly don't know God, the sailors and the Ninevites, they act faithfully. So you got on the one hand, people that you expect to be faithful toward God. Other people you expect to not be faithful to God, to be faithless. And they switch roles in the book of Jonah. And we're going to see what this contrast looks like in a few passages of Scripture today. Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, whether paper or electronic, the screen will have the verses for you. In verse number 4, it says this in chapter 1. The Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help, threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. It's interesting, it was the sailors that feared for their lives. These are men of the sea. They have been in storms before. They knew how to manage tough and difficult weather, yet this kind of storm is a different kind of storm. They recognize we need to be afraid. It scares them. They're afraid for their lives. And if you're not certain of that, then know this. They threw all the cargo overboard. Ain't nobody more afraid of their lives, you can tell, when they start throwing away money. You know what I'm saying? It's all over when you start throwing away money. They're tossing out the cargo of the ship. The money doesn't matter anymore. We're about to die. On the other hand, Jonah is sound asleep. He is oblivious to what's going on. Now, in verse number six, I'm going to talk about some awarenesses of the sailors today. Some awarenesses of the sailor. The Bible says in chapter one and verse six, so the captain went down after him, talking about Jonah. And he says this, how can you sleep at a time like this? How can you sleep at a time like this? I should do that about the middle of every message during the weeks. That would be good. How could you sleep at a time like this? But honestly, you know, it's easy to pick at Jonah. He lived eons ago. He's just a guy in a book. But I wonder how many of us facing some tough situations, some tough challenges, some storms of life, instead of facing them, addressing them, responding to them, we go into the bedroom and we shut out the lights and we pull the covers over our head and hope that when we wake up, it'll go away. Sometimes we choose to avoid and ignore, don't we? When things are going on, we think, if I just... Pretend it's not there, then it's really not there. That's what Jonah's doing. He's sound asleep. He's out of touch with the danger, the seriousness of the situation. Jonah is oblivious. He ignores what's really happening all around him. And so the captain, a sailor from Joppa, an unbeliever, doesn't follow God. He comes down and says, Wow can you sleep at a time like this? Jonah is unaware, but the captain is very aware of his surrounding situations. You know, they say the average American child is going to witness 200,000 violent acts on television by the age of 18. Many violent acts, this one struck me, I hadn't thought about it. Many violent acts on television are caused by the good guys that our children are taught to admire. In fact, in video games, oftentimes it's the hero that succeeds through violence, fighting and killing the enemy. So it leads to confusion in children's minds. They're trying to understand the difference between right and wrong. Violence isn't the answer, but my hero often turns to it. We shouldn't take other lives, but my hero does so. That's confusing, isn't it? Studies have shown that teens who watch lots of sexual content on television, media, are more likely to initiate intercourse or participate in other sexual activities earlier than peers who don't watch those sexually explicit shows. Health experts have long linked too much screen time to obesity, a significant health problem today. When kids and people in general are staring at screens, we're inactive and we tend to, to snack. Furthermore, if we're enthralled by the ads, they're selling us snacks that are unhealthy and making matters even worse. Let me ask this question this afternoon. What are the messages that media is sending into your life? What are the messages that media is sending into our homes and Sending into our children's lives. Let me just be the kind pastor this afternoon. The show you're currently binging. Or the game you're currently engulfed in. Is it dark? Is it heavy? Is it violent? What's the overall message of the media that we're consuming in our lives in our current media are humanity's lowest traits being emphasized is the is the storyline based on deception and lies is the storyline based on self-indulgence where there's power and drugs and sex for self-purpose only what's the overall message of the media in our lives Since I've waited in, I'll go on. In our media, are women being demeaned? Are men being demeaned? Are Christian values being demeaned in the media that we take in? Is it possible this afternoon, I just throw this out, that the captain's words are fitting today, how can you sleep at a time like this? Is it possible that in our homes and to our own lives that we've allowed some things where it is storming outside and literally putting our boats in danger, but we are asleep like Jonah, unaware of what's really happening? Oh, preacher, you're being dramatic today. I mean, is media really, is it really that big a deal? Well, I I pose this question. So if you participate in this service today, you're here for about an hour. Every Sunday, it's about an hour. Hour and 15. Last Sunday, three and a half hours. Just kidding. You participate in groups during the week. That's about an hour. If every day you're spending 30 minutes of your own time in the Word of God and in prayer that's about three and a half hours a week. So if you're doing everything the church has to offer and you have personal discipline with God, that adds up to about five and a half hours a week if we're 100 percenters. So how does that compare to our hours of media consumption? whether it's television or streaming or gaming or social media or reading the newspaper. I mean, media is a communication of messages and meaning. How, how's the percentages used there just in how much we're involved in? And is our media engagement contrary to God? Is it beneficial to the things of God or is it neutral to the things of God? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Let me throw this out. We ought to be aware of dangerous situations. Jonah was sound asleep. Paul told the Philippian church, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So I just throw this out to us this afternoon in your hearing. Does our media consumption fit Paul's description? Here's what you need to know. I'm not coming to your house to find out. I'm not going to ask for paper reports every week about what we've been involved in and how we've been involved. But I I do think it's necessary to raise the consideration that there just might be a storm taking place that could really be threatening our lives. And the captain's saying, how could you sleep at a time like this? Perhaps we can be aware from what the captain says. You know, as of October of a year removed, so about 18 months ago, 17 months ago, the Government Accountability Office had an analysis that found this. The median retirement savings for Americans between 55 and 64 was $107,000. That's the average for American between 55 and 64, $107,000 in retirement that amount translates at current rates to about $310 a month if it's in an inflation-protected annuity. Stay with me a minute. This year, the average senior will receive $17,532 in Social Security benefits for one year. Add those two things together for the average citizen, and they will receive in retirement this year less than $22,000 for the year. For comparison, I saw the sign this week. You can get a job in Linwood at the Chick-fil-A. They're hiring at $14 an hour. If you work 40 hours a week at the Chick-fil-A in your new job and you work for the full year at Chick-fil-A, in that job you'll make a little more than $29,000 in 2019. Does everybody stand with me here? The average senior in the United States this year with an average retirement savings and an average Social Security income is going to make $7,000 less than the high school kid who tries to work full-time at Chick-fil-A. Everybody with me? I wonder what's the state of our financial affairs. I'm just working on humanity here today. Are we sleeping while well, our financial situation's getting worse and worse? Are we are we hoping in this room that somehow retirement is just gonna magically be provided in our lives? thank god if you're with one of those companies that has a pension but those things are flying away overnight and going to be gone. The trend is toward personal retirement savings. And if you got money, that's awesome. You're excited about it. But if you're not saving, there's going to be trouble down the road. And can I, I just say we need to be aware of some dangerous situations. Can I just talk to the people of God for a moment and recognize and think we need to pay attention to the retirement things. Are you aware of your financial situation? Are you preparing or are you sleeping? Visit your HR director. Find and visit a financial planner. Regardless of age, our financial futures don't improve while we're sleeping, folks. It don't happen that way. While Jonah slept, the sailors were aware of dangerous surroundings. Are we aware of our financial situation? Now, I just grabbed a couple this afternoon in that first point. There are a lot of things that we could be asleep in the boat when there's trouble outside. And we're imagining that if we ignore it, it'll go away. Can I just raise the status of the captain who said to Jonah, what are you doing sleeping at a time like this? I think we ought to pray for spiritual awareness, that if I'm a follower of Christ, there needs to be a prayer that says, Lord, am I unaware? of a storm or a brewing storm. Lord, am I missing something that could threaten the boat that I'm in and that my family is in? Lord, make me aware of threatening situations. I don't want to be caught sleeping like Jonah. I want to be like that captain that says, Hey, what are you doing sleeping at a time like this? Back to that same verse, Jonah 1 and verse number 6. Here's another awareness that the sailors had. Awareness of the need for supernatural help. The captain in verse number 6, how can you sleep at a time like this? And then he shouted, get up and pray to your God. There's an exclamation point. Get up and pray to your God. Get up and pray. Now Jonah, Jonah should have known to be praying. Jonah is the faithful one in this story. He's the one who has a conversation. He's understanding of God. If anybody knew to pray, it should have been Jonah up there telling the sailors, look, fellas, we're going down. We ought to pray. Instead, he's in oblivion land, and it's the captain who says, come on, man, get up and pray. Sailors are doing everything they can to keep that ship afloat. They're rowing, they're working the sails, they're overboarding the cargo, and they're praying. But Jonah, what's he doing? Nothing the sailors recognize their need for supernatural assistance. They confessed, you know what? We're some of the best sailors we know. We've pooled our thoughts. We don't know what to do as an individual. We don't know what to do as a group. Here's what we do know. I need intervention from a power beyond my own. I need to get a hold of something beyond the ordinary and beyond the power of nature. They realize this situation is bigger than us. We need supernatural help. And you know what I believe? I believe when they tossed those cargoes and those boxes and those containers over the ship, they were tossing over their pride and their arrogance and they were saying, you know what? I'm not going to try to act like I don't need God. I need God. I need God. Prayer ought to be, Lord, I need your involvement in my life above and beyond my own experience, above and beyond my peers' experience. I need God. It's what the sailors from Joppa realized. They were aware of some things we could be aware of. Here's another one we could be aware of there's a cause behind the systems. Symptoms, excuse me. There's a cause behind the symptoms. Look at verses 7 and 8 in that first chapter. The crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. Basically, they drew straws. That's an ancient way of what they were doing. You get the short straw, you must be the problem. Jonah was the culprit. Verse number 8, they go to Jonah and say, Why has this awful storm come down on us their their question was why Jonah's designated guilty they don't rush to judgment they don't rush to violence instead they say why is the storm here they're searching for a cause not just to stop the storm but what's the reason behind it in their perspective if you will this intense fearful storm they're afraid it's gonna take their lives they think it's gotta have deeper meaning and they wanna know well how did this get caused and I don't ever want this to happen again and so their praying is more than this sometimes we pray God Take away the pain. And there's nothing wrong with that prayer in and of itself, but it ought to go farther because the sailors didn't just say take away the pain. They said, what's causing this? What's starting this? It's one thing to say, God, change my circumstances. It's another thing to say, God, what got me into this mess? It's one thing to say, God, take away what's bothering me right now. It's another thing to say, God, if you need to change my path, change it. If you need to reorder my life, reorder it. Because I don't want to get in this same space again. What can I do differently, Lord? That's a prayer we should pray. Jonah chapter 1, verses 11 to 13. Notice this little passage. Bible says, since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, meaning Jonah, what should we do to you to stop this storm? In verse 12, Jonah gives him the human response. Throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know this storm is my fault. Look at verse 13. This is amazing to me. Instead, instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land. One translation says they did their best to get the ship to land. Now, this is the same Jonah that when God told him, go and prophesy in Nineveh so that they repent, he said, no, I don't like those guys, let them rot. Now here the tables are turned, and all the men on the boat, everybody's in this sinking boat, they're all on the boat, and they say to Jonah, what's the deal? And Jonah says, I'm the problem, throw me overboard. Now the compassionate ones are the sailors. If they'd have acted like Jonah before the words got out of his mouth, we over the side of the boat. But instead, there's something else. They said, instead, let's keep rowing. Let's try to keep this man alive. They valued his life more than he valued theirs. They had compassion that Jonah didn't have for them. And think about it. They didn't cause the storm, yet they were suffering because of Jonah. There's no cries of injustice. There's no cries of self-pity. They don't display hatred, nor are they blaming and cursing God. Instead, they leave it in God's hands. And in verse 14, it says this, they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. I love how the scripture is so clear. These guys are praying to a God they don't claim as their own. They called out to Jonah's God. And they said to him, Oh Lord, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you've sent this storm upon him for your own good reason. They wanted God's mercy before they threw him overboard. They weren't just going to toss him out until they talked to God and said, Lord, we don't see any other way out. What else should be happening here? We want to be right with you. They had Jonah's permission to judge him, but they respected the Lord's view. The sailors wanted to be right in God's eyes. They wanted his permission. They only wanted to do what they ran by God first. Can I just bring to our attention here today, the Lord is the judge. And I might think it's okay, and I may ask somebody else who gives me some human insight, but at the end of the day, we should be aware like those sailors. Listen, it's not what I say. It's not what another guy says. I want to know what God says i want to know what the lord's plan is i want to know what his direction is i want to know what his understanding is before i may have gotten approval from somebody else but you know what i must have god's understanding that's a prayer to have final deal what should be aware of verses 15 and 16 in the same chapter 15 and 16 The sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. At once. I'm thankful to say I've never been on a stormy sea. But I'm amazed at this analogy. Mike, have you been at stormy seas? Have you been at sea? This is a veteran naval officer, retired. As the highest ranking engineer on the second largest ship in the US Navy, you've been in some storms at sea. Have you been in any storms, Mike, that flat scared you? When the storms went away, Mike, did they go away like that or they just kind of dissipate? They dissipate. Like they come on sometime, but they're going to go away slowly. They're going to move out of the area. And that's not what happened in this case. In this case, it's like they throw him into the sea, his body goes into the water, and whoosh, it's over. It's done. What used to be waves that were threatening and coming over the sides of their boat and just were slamming them all around now, calm seas what were winds and forces that were just tossing them about like a small little vessel and now nothing it stops it ceases it's over and the bible says this in verse 16 the sailors were awestruck by the lord's great power i love that that word awestruck by the lord's great power so much so, the Bible says this, they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So Jonah continues to run from God. In all this business, he's running from God. But the sailors say, we're going to serve him. Mm. Listen, it's not even their God. They prayed to Jonah's God. And they get a feeling from Jonah's God, and they acknowledge Jonah's thing. They throw Jonah overboard. Are you with me? Jonah's God says, send him to the fishes. I don't know about you, but if I've just seen somebody who says you should serve my God or somebody who says my God is wonderful and he, my God has just thrown great judgment on me, I mean, is that a great testimony? Yeah. Hey, listen, my God just caused me to lose my job and busted up my family. You should follow him. <laughs> my, my God just caused tremendous grief and failure. Is everybody with me? You got my point there? Judgment just came on Jonah's life. He's gone. Over, but when they see the power of God, they are awestruck by the power. It says earlier when they knew Jonah was running from God, why did you do this? The sailors recognize you shouldn't be dissing on the Lord God Almighty. But they said to them, and in their response, regardless of how the human, the only human they knew at this point, as far as we know, is Jonah, who's denied God and now being judged by God, and yet when they see the awesome power of God and the storm ends, it's in that Awe-struck sense of God's great power that regardless of other humans that have messed up with God, I see this is a mighty God. I recognize this is a powerful God. I recognize I should worship him says they offered sacrifice, they worship him and then it went beyond that. They didn't just get goosebumps at how cool all that was. They offered a sacrifice, clapped their hands, they glorified the Lord. it didn't stop there in the moment, but the Bible says they vowed to serve him. So it's more than a one-time acknowledgement. Hey, you got me out of the situation. It's beyond one-time appreciation. But they said, Lord, beyond today, I want to serve you tomorrow. Beyond this moment, thanks for helping us out. That's what the sacrifice is all about. But I want you to know after today, I'm coming for you tomorrow, God. I want you to know that even though this is settled down and the seas are smooth, tomorrow, I want to know what you have to say. Tomorrow, I want to hear from you. Tomorrow, I want you to set my path and give me direction. Sailors were aware that the great power of the Lord Calls for service. It calls for service. Would you stand with me? Things that we could learn and the apply in some awareness from the sailors. An awareness of dangerous situations. Aware that we need supernatural help. Aware that I need to know what's the cause behind the systems. An awareness that the Lord is the judge and that... The Lord's great power calls for service. You know, we're going to end today in a little different fashion of prayer. Oftentimes we uh, have the music playing and some of the praise team singing, but we're going to end to different today with a specific time of prayer. And I'm going to invite everybody who will to participate. If you're flat against it, that's fine. Nobody's going to come get you, but I hope everybody who will will participate. I'm going to invite some prayer that is generational prayer. And so, first of all, and we're going to pray for God's awareness. I don't want to make Jonah's mistakes. And I want to have the right awareness that I should have. That's the simple prayer that we're going to have today. So I'm going to ask everybody who's up to the age of 40. If you're up to the age of 40, would you come forward? And stand around this front area. As far as you can, come close. Because I'm going to have the elders come behind us. But if you're up to the age of 40, I will make an exception. If you have a spouse who's 41 or 42, then come with your spouse, all right? You don't have to separate as a family. Anybody who's under the age of 40, come on forward. Under 40, come on. Move up close, make space, come on. I'll step back if you make me afraid or I make you afraid? Yeah, awesome. Now all of those that are over 40 that join in my group, will you come up and stand behind these folks? All you that are the next generation, would you come up and stand behind? So we have the under 40s across the front and the over 40s coming behind. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Now, we're going to pray real simply here. If you're 40 and under, we're just going to ask God in a simple prayer. We're going to communicate, Lord, raise my awareness. Raise my awareness. And then more than that, Lord, I want to receive what you're speaking to me. Direct my decisions, direct my actions. I want to act on those things. Now, The elders behind, of course, you can pray that way. I hope you do at some point in time. But I'd like us to have some generational prayer for those coming on. I'd like us to pray, Lord, you know when I acted like Jonah, keep these folks from acting like Jonah. I made some mistakes. I did some things I'm not proud of. Keep that out of these folks' lives. We're going to pray for their awareness. Lord, keep them aware. Keep them sharp. Help them to respond. Help them, Lord, to be led and guided to views. Everybody got what we're doing? Now, if you're comfortable, you want to scoot close to somebody, maybe put a hand on their shoulder, that's awesome. If you're not comfortable with that, that's okay too. But right now, everybody know what we're praying for. Let's talk to the Lord in this place right now. Wonderful Savior. My God, we're so thankful for the power and the truth of your word, oh God. We are so grateful, Lord, that we can look into your scripture and we can find things and learn things and know of things that help us to live day by day in this life. God, I I pray, oh Lord, for this younger generation, Lord, these young families and young couples and single adults, Lord. I I pray, God, that you would help them, Lord, not to make the mistakes I made. I, I pray, God, that you would keep them oh Lord from the times that I acted like Jonah Lord that I was fooled and unaware and ignorant and oblivious God I I pray Lord that you would prevent those things in these lives Lord Jesus I pray God that you would heighten their awareness I pray God that through your word and through your spirit Lord and, and through the fellowship of your people oh God raise the awareness Lord in all of these men and women raise oh God your awareness God in each and every life, O oh Lord, I pray. Help them, Lord, to receive your best in their lives. Help them, O oh God, to be open, O oh Lord, to your direction and your instruction and your guidance, O oh Lord. I pray, Lord, they would follow you all the days of their life. I pray, Lord, they would be led and directed of you all the days of their life, Lord Jesus. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. The Holy